This is Sam Luck, the ghost, and we are live on our Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and uh, Twitter channels with Sequoia Blue for the first time. We'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Now, we have a sponsor. So Newsly.me is an iOS and Android app that actually takes this podcast and makes an audio-only version of it. So this podcast will be on the air on Newsly. So you can stop scrolling and start listening. And use coupon code GHOST2021. That does work. And you can get one month free premium subscription. So stop scrolling and start listening. Go to Newsly. Use coupon code GHOST2021 to get one month free premium subscription. So that's uh, something we wanted to say at the beginning. So now we've got your website out. On the bottom, we always encourage anybody who watches the program, make sure you go to the website of the artist that we're talking about so you can get all the information about them that is possible. Yep, so yep. one of the first questions we always ask musicians is, uh, at what age did you get into music? Can you remember? Oh, so 12. 12. <laughs> I started singing at 12 because I felt like it was like a way to escape, you know, because at first I thought I wanted to do basketball because I thought I was tall, but I really wasn't into basketball like I thought. So I started doing music and um, I started singing at the YMCA. Um, I had a counselor that uh, he was always singing gospel music to me, and then I started singing it, and then I started singing all types of songs to all the kids in the daycares and stuff, and they were like, oh, man, sing Kelly Price, sing, you know, <laughs> all types of songs, and I would just start singing it, you know, I wasn't, it was just fun to me, and so um, I just kept doing it since then, and it's been a journey, it's been um, experimental, because, you know, with music, you've got so many different ways you can do music, so yeah, that's when I started. That's interesting because like part of what we do is if you've ever seen us, we call ourselves expansive sound experiments is my own indie label. I am a keyboardist, sound designer, producer, and um, I, I like to mix genres. So when people try to pin me down, try to say, oh, you're EDM, you're like, no, I'm expansive. I could do Sun Ra, yeah. I could do Punkadelic, I could channel Stevie Wonder, like whatever I feel like, and I don't want to get pinned down. But um, yeah. so it's um, it's really cool to, to, to I, one of the things I have noticed, I've interviewed like 140 artists since 2016, wow. is a lot of artists, they start at a very young age. They kind of, you know, musicians and poets and actors, they all seem to know that they, they have this kind of muse or they feel it. And and mm -hmm. it, is that what you felt? It, you felt like that you just naturally kind of wanted to be in the arts in that way? Yeah, it, it was just like I wasn't the best in school. I didn't pay attention. And I said, oh, this is something I can do and I'm good at it and people seem to enjoy it. So it was kind of drawing drawn to me, but in a deep way. It wasn't like in a way where I'm trying to fit in or mm -hmm. it was like um, it just pulled me in. It's like spiritual to me. And and like yeah. you said, I, I couldn't be pinned down to one genre. And they kept trying to put me in it. And I'm like, no, that's why I call myself an abstract soul singer. Because I'm yeah. abstract. I don't know that's what cool. I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, you might hear me sing a country meets R&B song the next day. I don't know what I might do. So that's one of the things that um, is unique about my style of music. Well, I think that that's what I'm always going for. You know, in today's world, I always like the people who merge. Like, I was really big into progressive rock bands like Yes and Genesis. And why? Because they would channel jazz, fusion, classical, and rock, and psychedelia all at the Ooh. same time. And yeah. being a keyboardist, I was always very interested in why, the way, like, you know, Bernie Worrell at Funkadelic, how he introduced, like, classical structure into funk. And mm. he would, he would, he was very good. I mean, he actually was classically trained from Berkeley. And so he would take all the funk coming from Bootsy and, and, and George and then give it structure because he knew how to do that. Wow. And so that's why they had this really interesting sound that even hip hop today, you know, samples Funkadelic. Like yes. The core, because it's really foundational music, like James Brown's music. So yeah, it's, I've always been the, the kind of person that would, you know, my father you know, would play James Brown and then Nat King Cole. My mom would play mm -hmm. the Carpenters. My dad, my brother seven years old, we'd be playing like, like Jeff Beck and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. So oh, I was hearing yeah. like everything and I'm like, well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's the, I think that's how artists, I mean, well, not every artist is different. You know, you got some that's drawn to it. Then you got some that's kind of trying to find a way to fit in. But the artist that is coming from the soul, you're, you're kind of pulling from different, mm -hmm. you know, musical ancestors, I should say. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like your reference points. One of the things I always ask people is like your reference points. You might hear my cat in the background; she's going crazy. Aww. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the different reference points you have in music is like your heroes. Like I think the people that you kind of like want to like, uh, I guess your reference points or your your, your influences. Um, you like when you're a musician and you've been playing a while. I'm like 54. And you know, sometimes I'll start playing, and I, I I might channel some like Monk or or Sun Ra or Davis, and I didn't even realize oh. somebody put back and say, "Hey, why were you doing that line?" I said, "Well, it was kind of in my subconscious, and it just came out." There you, you go, know. the subconscious. You know, um, like Tupac said that the the music was coming from his ancestors. A lot of his music coming from his ancestors, and and that's what it feels like sometimes. Like, dang, what? How did I come up with this? This is not something I went through, but it just came to me and I could feel the like it was real. And I was like, that's when you know, okay, this is you a true, true artist. Rather you become a millionaire from it or not, you're gonna yeah. be doing it forever. That's it. <laughs> when you yeah, when you get to you that point. Of, yeah, you can kind of channel it. Like I used to there was a story that Hendrix he used to be a sideman for the Isley brothers. And 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 one time they were recording and he deviated from the song. And then they went and asked him, what are you doing? He's like, well, the universe kind of gave me this thing and I had to put it down. I couldn't like not put it down. And Hendrix was like very much like that. He would be like, I'm going to put it down. You, you, you could fire me, but like yep. I heard something and I had to put it down. <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes it's, it's, you know, cause it's weird. Cause as an artist, like I kind of always feel like, oh, I got to follow the rules. But then I always feel like, well, I look at myself also as like a painting artist. Like mm. I'm like, okay, I'm creating this painting. And I, I sometimes just don't follow the rules, you know, like my last single player hater that came out last year, I, I kind of didn't follow the rules, but I did follow the rules, but I didn't because it was so different. I didn't do a lot of background music, uh, background vocals on it. Mm -hmm. It was just weird, but it was like, if it just came to me and I was like, I gotta, this is the yeah. way it's supposed to be in a weird way. And I said, even if I had a big crew of people helping me, I still kind of feel like I would have went back to that, that original sound that I created with player hater. So yeah, that's I can really, understand that. Yeah. I think that's like the kind of thing about like uh, when doves cry, you know, the uh, Warner mm -hmm. brothers didn't want it to come out. Cause it didn't have a baseline. And, mm -hmm. and, and Prince actually, I actually heard a version of it that has the baseline. And I know why wow. Prince picked the one that doesn't, because the, the version of it that doesn't have the baseline actually is more interesting because mm. the baseline kind of busied it up. And then when you hear it without it, and Prince was really good at like going against like a lot of his producers, a lot of the executives at Warner Brothers would come in and say, hey, that's not finished. They told him like Dirty Mind, the whole thing, that's not finished. Wow. You got to finish it. And he's like, no, I'm not going to finish it because that's what it is. And he would always be pushing back. If you read the stories about him, um, wow. like he had to fight like all the time. Even when he first started, they wanted to hey. put him with Earth, Wind, and Fire, Maurice White as his producer. And he, and he thought he'd be happy. And he said, no, I want to produce myself. <laughs> Man, you got to love Prince. He's always been, you know, just had his own road, his own vision. And that, that's, man, rest in peace, Prince, man, because he, he was the GOAT, man. You know, he, he is the GOAT. <laughs> Well, I think time. what's cool about that is that to show a young artist, like at 17 years old, he he turned down Maurice White from Earth, Wind, and Fire producing him. That's so that's, that's like, man. That, yeah, that's really showing a lot of confidence. That like, how could a 17 year old kid have that level of confidence? You that's know, amazing. But, yeah, I mean, he had conviction within himself, and it's like when you have that confidence. I mean, I wish I had that confidence at 17, but he had that conviction, and once you get it in you and this and the music coming from the soul it's like there's no way somebody can throw you off of that it's like yeah and, yeah and he just kept like, on you're driven you know if you yeah. that's the way i always tell people like you don't necessarily go with the trends because i'm kind of a person i always talk about sound paintings like you were because like i i read a lot and i was watching documentaries about both Jimi hendrix and um the beatles like and george martin specifically said when he re started to record like the Beatles on uh, Sgt. Pepper's and Rubber Soul that he purposely wanted to do like Monet in, in sound. And what does that mean? I wanted to do sound paintings. And if you think about the way Sgt. Pepper sounds, it's using the studio as an instrument to do layering effects, backward tape loops. And he had worked on Peter Sellers comedy records. And those wow. comedy records had orchestras, special effects, all kinds of extra layers of multi-tracks that most recordings didn't have. And the Beatles actually heard that. 
they heard the stuff he had done with Peter Sellers, and then they all kind of worked together to say, why can't we do that with pop music, mm. right? And that's how yeah. the world of having these multi-tracks and these albums, you know, that the idea that you can go in the studio and you can multi-track, you could do something that maybe yep. you can't do live, right? The yep. idea that you could actually use the studio to paint something. People use the DAW now to kind of oh yeah sound paintings. And I really yep. think a lot of music is sound paintings when you really get into the art of it. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, it's just it's a it's definitely. And I think people forget that music is an art. Like they they you know I see so many com- you know I'm I'm always looking at podcasts and stuff, and they're always comparing other artists. And I'm like, can't you guys see this is art? Everything is different. The way this person layers it, the way this person does it, it's gonna mm-hmm. it's just all different because it's their art. And it's the ones that like I said, it's the ones that feel it in their soul, and it's a calling. It's a spiritual thing more so than you yeah, know just. Cause... You know, do you feel when you write a song, it's cathartic, you know, because I feel like I write songs because it helps me get through my life. And whether that song does well or not, I kind of use each one as to get through different moments in my life. And it's like a cathartic thing. And I just have a need to do it. And whether it's going to be big or not, I just do it because I'm trying to serve that song. Oh man, you you just hit it on the head here. That's that's how I feel. My last single, Player Hater, it was about a bad relationship I got out of six years ago. And um, I said, you're casting spells on me like I can't see, you know? And I just felt like I was, you know, letting that situation go with Player Hater, saying casting spells on me. But the whole point of the song is I got out of it. You know, you tried to ruin my dreams, but then I got, I got out of the situation. So it was like a way of me getting that out and it was like I didn't care if it was a million dollar hit or Jay Z mm-hmm. wanted to call me or anything. I was just like, this is cool. I put out something that and I did on my own. This was the first song I ever recorded in my home, you know, because mm-hmm. I really started trying to teach myself recording and I'm still not the best engineer yet. I still have to send it to someone else, but I recorded it myself and yeah. Um it was just release. It felt so rejuvenating and I just felt so imp- I just felt really good, you know. So yeah, it I think definitely it's- one of the things oh. I love about like talking to singer songwriters, because I'm a child of the seventies, right? I'm I'm a fifty-four year old guy. And I used to love the fact that, you know, singer songwriters, you get a full picture. It's like like a like an audio novel, right? It's like a it's a sound painting, it's like a soundtrack, right? Because they are putting their heart and soul into it. In the old days, you know, with the Nat King Coles and the Sinatras, <clears throat> even the Motown singers, a lot of them didn't write write their own songs. Maybe Smokey wrote it or Marvin Gaye oh, wrote yeah. it, but they didn't write it, right? They had a bunch of singers. They had the Funk Brothers and other people writing it. But it was like that there was a period where they had the singer and they were the singer with the vocalist. They didn't necessarily write the song. But the singer songwriter, wow. I always thought, is really core because you really get a picture into that person's like thought, like an, reading a book. Yeah. I mean, I and I do agree with that because it's like when you, when the, it's different when you write the song or that or if it's if the singer actually writes the song I think the song comes out even better because it's coming from their spirit I mean but even if you work with another writer it's like okay cool but it's like you should write a few lines in there too because I think Jennifer Hudson said it one time that she uh somebody wrote I think it was her first album or second album she was saying I wasn't Fantasia I can't believe I don't know if it was Jennifer Hudson or Fantasia but they said that the writer wrote songs they just couldn't connect to so they couldn't put the album out and I just was like, whoa, that's crazy. Like you have both of them have strong powerhouse voices. And I'm just sitting here like, dang, you know, it's like, but, you know, it, it's if they could write it or if they were writers, then it would be different, you know? And yeah. so yeah. I do, I do think it's better when you're a singer and songwriter. I think it's better. <laughs> yeah. You think of the whole, the whole kind of age of that is like the Beatles and Dylan and Hendrix and Morrison, you know, they, they, you know, even, Again, Janis Joplin, you, they, people started saying, wow, these people wrote these songs. Oh, Janice, and it represents yeah. like them. Right? And if you listen to like Hendrix or Dylan, it's like there's something about the fact that they wrote those songs and that you can feel like it's their life, right? You can, you yeah, can you can feel, feel like, Janis Joplin's like, yeah, boom, you can feel you that know, she's putting just... it in there. She's putting like that's her heart, you know, even more so he was like a poet and he was putting all this poetry in the music that people hadn't done. I mean, Dylan does the same kind of level of poetry and you don't get that sometimes if you're not the writer right you're not going to get that because people say well that's not going to work right because like they start getting too verbose or they get too well then there's all these people say what you can't do like i always like the innovators 
they're able to kind of push it. Yeah. With, you know. And I think, you know, and I think there should be more and like I'm I'm actually starting off as an innovator like now because I feel like I'm, you know, older now and I feel like I'm more confident to say, hey, let's break some rules, let's yeah. change the game a little bit. And so I'm actually spreading the message to artists to feel more comfortable about putting out their real true music that they want to put out, you know, because this is our art and at the end of the day, you don't wanna be someone you're not, you know. So well, the problem I have is like there's a certain set of producers in the top 20, right? Even top 40 mm -hmm. that they get a formula and they just stick with it and just embed that sound on everybody, right? Oh, man, I've been through that. <laughs> and the problem I have, that. yeah, yeah when it's not interesting, it, you know, it can kind of burn out a genre. Like if everybody's using the same loop, same 808, the same kicks, mm -hmm. the same everything, and the same drops and the same position, and they're like, well, what are you doing? You know, because yeah. I like again. I'm a child of the '70s, and I like the idea of the happy accidents. Like if you go back and listen to a lot of classic songs from the '70s and '80s, yeah. and you actually put your headphones on, you'll hear errors, right? You'll hear timing changes. You'll hear people oh, making yeah. mistakes. And the thing is, they left it in. And some of these songs are so good. I mean, if you listen to the Stones, like the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards is not exactly running on like a BPM time. He is very unique in his rhythm and it doesn't, wouldn't clock at all. And so wow. in, today, in today's world, how would you deal with that? Because if you got to deal with everything in the clock, it wouldn't work. So there's some things like that. It's like, you can't, you can't, you know, Frank Zappa, how would you kind of control Frank Zappa? Oh like, yeah. I just thought about that. Like, wait, <laughs> you can't. It's you like, can't. You know, <laughs> so, it's like, so, so it's like, is that bad to, to be, Somebody that does, never does it the same. He would never put a solo down the same way. He never, he always wanted to change their arrangements when he played live. He wouldn't play it the same because he said it's wow. boring. It, yeah. It, it, you, know, you know, so he wouldn't want, didn't want to do it. <laughs> it's not fun anymore because what's the point of it? I might as well just, you know, be at a job then if I can't be myself as far as like my style is like, what the heck? It's boring. Cause then, and I've been through it because, you know, I've been through with producers and they're telling me, Hey, we need you to be more like Rihanna or we need you to be more, you know, cause they always want to put me in R&B. And I'm yeah. like, well, what if I want to sing a folk song? You ain't asked me, but it's okay. You know? <laughs> and at that <laughs> point, at a young age, I knew I couldn't do this. And I was kind of like Prince saying, no, I'm not going not gonna to work with you then. And, you know, and I had family members saying, Oh, well, you might not ever get anybody to help you again. I said, well, I can help myself. I'll just keep going with myself. You well, know, because you have to know what you want. I think yeah. yeah. Because I mean, you could end up being somebody's uh idea of what you should be, or you can be who you want to be, right? Yeah. And, and you I know, always you... yeah. Oh, my bad. No, yeah, I was but... gonna say that you can get blackballed if you know yeah, you get yeah. in there and try to change like that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean if you're in the structure of the studio system, you know, they got their own things going on. But, but the thing I like is like, well, I like to be a producer that takes somebody, right, hear their demo, and I don't totally like deconstruct it. Like if I think I want to make it sound better, so I want to make you sound a better you. And I'm not going to go and try to make you sound like the ghost because I sound like me. It's like, why am I going to make you sound like me? That's yeah. not my, my point. Yeah. My point would be maybe I'd add a Moog line in there to enhance it. Maybe I'd add some... Mellotron or it put some something in that you would didn't have because you didn't have access to it, right? So that would make that sound maybe a little bit different, but not change everything about it. Just yeah. enhance it, you know, do you run things through analog processors to kind of make things sound better. Yeah. Put shadow vocals in to make your vocals sound better, but not necessarily go and throw tons of auto-tune, use analog preamps to push your vocal up naturally. You know, there's there's all kinds of things you can do that it can enhance it without kind of wrecking it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, that's what I would do. You know, if I work with other artists, that's, I wouldn't trade changes. If you come to me and you sing folk music, I would just enhance what you already got. I'm not going to tell you to go and go and do this, change your whole style, yeah. you know? So I totally, I totally agree with you on that one. <laughs> so when you write a song, like I always ask songwriters where, like, how does it come to you? They, I mean, it probably comes multiple ways, but like, is it there comes multiple ways. Yeah, yeah. So it's like different. <laughs> you <laughs> know, it's weird. I... Describe the ways. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Sorry to interrupt, but it's funny because like I can watch a movie and I'll be like, oh, I just thought of a song from this movie. It has nothing to do with my life, you know, and I'll write a song. Like I wrote a song called Bad Love War on my first album. 
and I have never been through anything like that. It was just, it was about a bad relationship and they were living together and he was doing wrong. And I never even been through that before, but I was able to channel it because of the movie. Mm-hmm. I was so, I was That's so, it's like I tapped into an actress into and did a song, yeah, you know, I yeah. tapped into someone else's situation and the song was the bomb. It just turned out really great. And I worked with a really good producer that was out of the box. You know, his beats are just all the way to the left, but it was, it was like the right producer at the right time to for that album because it went with that flow and then the same thing with my single champion that i did a few years ago i got that from a book i read polo Coelho 11 minutes and i said champion i thought a champion and i recorded that and it was history i mean it was one of my that's one of my favorite songs is champion and i it pulled out this type of voice a different type of soulful strong get Mm -hmm. your voice and it was just it was just calling it the beat was calling it. i found the right beat at the right time i bought the beat from someone i got i got the full rights to that beat and it just called like it just called me and that's why i sung kind of tough on that one a little harder on that one and then also the story paulo coelho is one of the best authors out there and just the story it it had me come up with the lyrics i was like i got the lyrics just from just reading this book and i think it's amazing that that happens you know well, I think that's the great thing about being a singer-songwriter or being a creator because, you know, I, you could be walking in the woods. You could be, like, you know, on the bus and then you get an idea. And you start tapping it into your cell phone. You just, you have no idea. I mean, you get all these ideas where people will write it on a napkin. You know, write yeah. it in a, in a notebook, keep a diary, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and have a full – like, I have a bedroom studio, you know, so I got all my modes and everything here, and I got multi-tracks, so, like, sometimes I just wake up <clears> – <throat> And I got a full like chord arrangement in my head, and I just jump wow. on my jump on my Juno, and then I put the multi track on. And I just put it down, and I, and then I said, "Well, then I'll go back to sleep." But, but I just had something I had to put down. Yeah, kind of like what Kendrick said, I kind of feel that sometimes. And I would just I got to the point where I just have all my stuff in my room. <laughs> so you see, oh, oh, see, yours is decked out there. <laughs> yeah, so I got all this stuff, and it's like I can just hit the multi track, and I don't use computers. I use multi tracks. So I don't have to worry about booting up. I hit it and boom, I just got it. You, you know, know, sometimes it's something about the old school way because I got the new school way. I got the garage band and the Mac yeah. and, you know, it's it's almost like, hmm, I wonder how it was to go with the old school equipment. You know, is it, would it, would it be a different I, I, experience I, I, for me, a better experience or that's I just curious. got it. What problem I got is I have hardware synthesizers, right? I don't have like in the box. I got real modes and stuff. And I found wow. it's better to actually put them into a multi-track. So I mean, I have modern digital multi-tracks, but they're not computers. They're actually like 24-track, 32-track multi-tracks. And they'll take wow. each thing and bring them in. And then each each track gets its own stem. And then I can mix them right on a mixing board right in front of me. So I've got boards that I can go change things and add effects in. And I just like the idea of having all my sliders and all my dials because I'm a tactile person. And I like not having to go into a PC with a Mac or something. Not that I can't do it. I have, yeah. I got stuff that can do that. But what I found is I just, you know, like using that stuff because I'm a child of the 70s and I used to have the reels and I had the task cams and the Fostex and I just like using that stuff. And yeah. That's so my choice. But people say yeah, they, make it harder. they make it harder for myself, Ooh. but they something about it. <laughs> hey, you got to do what's like, you know, inspiring and that, you know, gets you to want to go and record, you know, if it's, if it's better that way, I would keep it that way. Keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, it's, everything's different today. Like you can do everything. Like, you know, I've got like a, like an MPC and I'll do modern clips based stuff on that. Right. So I'll use like an Akai to do that. But when I have to work with another producer that wants to see something on Ableton, they want to see something like, oh, yeah. on a normal DOS. So it's fine. I'll, I'll go and use that machine because it can translate. But, you know, some people, you know, they want to deal with me because I'm using all this analog stuff. And because yeah. that's, that's the stuff that they heard that they like. And so when you do music today, like it's so hard with the streaming services to actually make any money. Um, yeah. do, do you, unless you really get, get a big hit. Um, I know, right? Do you, do you work with like sync licensing and features and production and other things? So, How do you like, work as a musician to like do that? So I just started getting into sync licensing. Um, I'm with Broad Jam. So I submit um, a lot of songs. I still feel like you need to have a whole bunch of songs to really get 
picked, mm -hmm. you know, for these productions. I'm talking about you need to be recording five songs a week. And it may not be specifically for you to put out on title or anything, but it may just be for you to submit for that movie. Like, um, like I'm trying to do a, ch a, ch a children's song so I can submit for some you know, licensings for children's music and stuff like that for some commercials or, you know, you mm -hmm. heard the Baby Shark song, Baby Shark, do, 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 yeah, do, yeah. do, you know, the guy gets blew up with that one song. And I was like, okay. And I kind of came up with this song in my head, a children's song in my head. And I said, okay, I got to get that recorded. So, and I was like, I need to start recording like five songs a week so I can be ready. So one song might be crime and then one song might be mystery or, you mm -hmm. know, because it, it, if you listen to a movie, because I'm a movie head and show head. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I listen <laughs> when I listen to a movie, I'm listening to the music, too. I'm like, OK, I listen to how they're singing it, the weirdness of it. I said, OK, I see what's going on here. So like the thing with music licensing is making sure you have different type of songs so you can get picked faster. Um, so that's one thing I'm working on is I'm really diving into music licensing more than anything because i don't want to sing cover music out i mean it's not my yeah, thing yeah. i love i yeah. love all the great artists i love nina simone all the artists i love to sing but mm -hmm. I, I just like i like to sing my own music if i'm gonna sing out so i don't want to do cover songs and i you know i know a few artists out here in vegas where i'm at that just stay booked at the casinos but they're singing cover songs you know back to back yeah. and that's how they make their living and i think that's great but i was like that's not me i yeah, would yeah. feel it wouldn't feel as fun to me. I'd be like, oh, job, you know, it's okay. That's you know, like, cause, yeah. <laughs> when I was 17 and, and we, we, the first band I'm in, we were excited they were playing at a pizza joint, you know, or a bar, <laughs> and we're playing all these cover songs. And then I, I got burned out on that faster yeah. than Because yeah, I'm like, I was on. Like, I'm not into that. <laughs> yeah. And I felt bad about it because I was like, I know I kind of, I'd rather do music, but it's like, I said the same, I feel like I'm doing a job to me when I'm doing cover songs. It's like, oh, I'm doing a job. It's like, I might as well go and well, I can't do the same thing every night. It's kind of boring. Yeah. Oh, your sound went out. Your sound's out. I can't hear you. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm back. There Sorry. You go. <laughs> That's yeah. okay. You look like you muted. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. So click with my mouse too fast. But yeah, if, if the problem with doing doing that kind of thing, it becomes like a day job. And then there's a whole point to be in the music to me was the passion of it. Yeah. And, you know, looking at a person like Stevie Wonder, right? You don't ever see like Stevie Wonder was ever like playing in a bar. No. <laughs> you, know, if... like, you know, he's kind of like inner visions. He's making like songs in the key of life, he's very aspirational, right? Mm -hmm. He had these really big ideas, very progressive, you know? Very, yeah. Like, if you think about the song like Saturn, I mean, that's super progressive. Oh, man, Steve right? Wonder. Yeah, I mean, Village Ghetto Land. Like, anything on songs in the key of life, you think about the structure and the stuff he was doing. I mean, I'm a synth player. <clears throat> and I, when I look at Saturn, I'm just so, like, I just, like, damn, that's so awesome. Because what he did... I don't know if people know, he had a Yamaha GX1 with like a $300,000 synthesizer. And he got most Barry Gordy to get him. And the thing about it that was really interesting, it, it was polyphonic. And if people understand, synthesizers were only like one note at a time. But that synth wow. could be full chords. And the reason Saturn sounds like it does is Stevie was able to get a synthesizer that allowed him to do two-handed chords and arrange something that's kind of classical, right, on a synth. But it sounds otherworldly because it's not real violins. It's like a synthesized violin. It's one of the first examples of actually using a polyphonic synth that powerful in music. Wow. And, and that is so interesting. Yeah, it, it's very, if you listen to it even today, it's like, it's super impressive. You really don't even hear modern synth sound like that. Because it's not wow, digital. Well, i to check that song out again. <laughs> yeah, it's analog. It's not That's digital. And it, it doesn't sound like the modern synth at all. Um, wow. But, that's but amazing. I'm a synth head, so. <laughs> no, I kind of miss the old school music. You know, the when I listen to the kind of like record days with all those the the old school artists. I can't remember their names. Uh, Eddie James and all those. I I you know I sit down and listen to it. I'm like, man, this is real raw. This is some raw music. Like, well, yeah. You know, if you like, listen to like Otis Redding, I mean, like Otis Redding. Oh, that's boy, man. Oh my gosh. I mean, the, he just or even the you know the guys in the temptation the falsettos that or in the baritones oh. that you can get out of that, oh, those I two bands like you know oj's you, any of the great soul bands right that had like multiple singers and they had the, all this character where they have a falsetto you have a smoky like falsetto even higher than that with the temptations you could mm -hmm. get um 
And you like even like uh, there's even more like they Delphonics had amazing falsettos. You know, if you listen to the Delphonics, they were like that they were like one of my favorites just because the falsetto is so like unattainable by most people. <laughs> the, what oh, they they, yeah, but it's uh yeah, it's just I I love the artistry of that of being able to do when people could do that well. Um yeah, yeah. It, it's really incredible. But what what were your influences? I know you mentioned uh, Nina Simone. Who who else oh, yeah. would you kind of name oh, yeah. check that that you kind of oh, man. Oh, man. inspires you? Well, you know what I grew well, up as like up. a '90s baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, I didn't really. St- this is crazy because I started getting into the old school artists when I started actually getting to music at 12. But when I was a little child, and I used to listen to music, and my grandma Eb used, our grandma Eb used to play music and stuff. It would be D'Angelo and Keith Sweat mm-hmm. and Kelly Price and the Isley Brothers. And that's who I used to listen to all the time. I used to listen to Aaliyah, you know, and I know she's yeah, in the 90s, but yeah, I loved Aaliyah because yeah. she was, you could feel she was feeling her yeah. music. She was singing from her soul. So Aaliyah and, um, and who, yeah, who else was it? D'Angelo. I don't know why I got so stuck on D'Angelo and Chico DeBarge. And I just got, I just like their, their like subtle the style of soul. Mm-hmm. Like um, I think D'Angelo's first album, Voodoo. I think it's called Voodoo. Um, yeah, that that's a very. It but, took a while to do the follow up, but I mean, I remember, I remember when that stuff came out. Yeah, I was like, I was always into like, uh, like Maxwell and like Terrence Trent. Yeah, Darby. there we go. That's another one, <laughs> Maxwell. Um, you know, I used to listen to him all the time, and it was just like this. I just always felt those artists, and I always thought they were the bomb. And then, you know, when I got when I got older, I started going old school. I started going backwards, and I started saying, okay, okay let me – because people used to tell me, oh, you're before your time, because I always sung so – I just was out of the box at 16, 19. I'll be like, oh, let me go sing Sly and the Family Stones. If you yeah. want me to stay. Yeah. I was going in there, and <laughs> my first That's song – That's a good place to go. <laughs> That's yeah, a good place I don't know what it was, but I said, I got to do a, cover, a remake of Sly and the Family Stones. So I took my own lyrics, rewrote my own swag to slide and family stones. I did, if you want me to stay and I had uh, changed the lyrics around a little bit, but it blew mm-hmm. up on my face and I was 20 years old and people were like, and I remember a rep from bad boy was like, you're unorthodox as I don't know what, I don't know why everybody's listening to you like this. I said, because they want <laughs> well, that, something new. <laughs> people you know? want, they want the same thing over and over. Cause you guys just want to find another Beyonce and you find another, it's like they did. Yeah. You, you'll see all these th- people saying, can you sound like, like uh, you know, X go sound. You know, it's like well, you guys don't have any kind of creative. You know, well, A and R people yeah. probably don't want it. They don't, don't. Want, are not. They're not creative. So like, they're they not want, creatives. They, they they find something that works. And they want to run into the ground. You know, it, it's like you don't know you're gonna destroy the genre if you put out a hundred million copies of the same style. Like then and people. That's are why. And that's why music is, we you know, the artists aren't making as much money as they used to. If you watch Tink the other day, he was on The Breakfast Club and he said, hey, I, I'm going to do acting now. He said, I might hang up music. He said, they don't want R&B anymore. They don't want real R&B. He said, I'm about to start acting. That's where I'm making money at, you know. And I thought that was pretty sad because, like, Tink to me was a great artist when he came out, you know. And it's like, what the heck? What, how do we come from Nina's mom, Mahalia Jackson, and all these other, Sliding Family Stones, all these other soulful people. Yeah. And it's like now we're just saying, oh, we're gonna just mix it with rap music and you know rap yeah. R and B, and then yeah. that's it. That's what's gonna be. It's like, well, why can't we mix genres and have a good time? Like, I wouldn't mind well, mixing you... folk with with R and B or folk with or just do folk by itself. It was like, I think stop boxing is just shit box artists. Well, like, they were like, are they saying they wouldn't allow a Tracy Chapman to show up today? You know that that problem would... I have with, with you know is the idea that you know they always have these rules and then if you go back in the day people broke the rules like bohemian rhapsody you're not supposed to have a song that long you know the the idea of hotel california you're not supposed to have a song that long and in they both of those bands put songs out that were way longer than what they said they could do and they they became iconic See? so so it doesn't you know people telling you you can only do a two-minute song and then you go look at some modern like albums um with uh you know their they've got five or six minute songs right and people are like why are you doing that well because that's what the song needs you know like the idea in progressive rock you can have a song that have multiple changes they might go seven minutes long yeah i mean i think that's fine like abbey road you're telling me you couldn't have songs that are like on abbey road abbey road songs are very progressive they they kind of go they're like 
little vignettes to go from one to the next and they're, and they're long. Ooh, I'd check yeah. out Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, better, That's interesting. You know, and, yeah, people don't realize, like, and now people are going back and they're listening to Pink Floyd. And yep. these are, they have, they have these, you know, like if you listen to Dark Side of the Moon, those songs are telling a story. It's a rock opera. Like a band yeah. like The Who, Tommy, they have like a bit, a two seed, two disc album that tells a story. Yeah. And, and, and people say, oh, you uh-huh. can't do that. You can only do two minute bangers. Like, no. Oh. <laughs> you, you don't just, you can't just do that. That's like, it's going to destroy music if that's all you're ever going to do. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to let people be artist and do other things that's why i like talking to people kind of in the merging zone because yeah. then i get to hear people still channeling progressive rock or experimental rock or indie rock or alternative or neo soul or trad you know traditional kind of retro soul you got mm-hmm. bands that will channel that and they do it well when they have the full song structures but yeah you know, you know if you do you know like the old days and why not because yeah, it's and, <laughs> yeah, it's so freaking good. And now we're at a better time where artists now you can, you know, pay for ads to get your music out there and, and, and get it, you know, possibly get booked and, and perform yeah. your own music. So you don't really need a label trying to dig in your pockets and push you on tour forever and you can't get off or anything, you know, like yeah. you, we're so lucky now because now you can kind of do your own thing and you know, make a living off of your music. You don't have to do cover songs. And I know a lot of artists that still want to do that. They have to put bread on the table. But I do think that, you know, artists that want to still just sing their own music, they can do it now. We got Facebook ads. We got Google ads. I mean, yeah, yeah that costs a lot of money, you know, investment. But you can, the, the, yeah, you there. can actually. The thing is, like, if you're an indie band or an indie artist and you set yourself up, it's not like if you get the old days where you got a record deal, right? And after three records, if you didn't hit the number, you're done, Right. They, yeah. you know, and it will, if you're an indie record and you get a core fan base and you find that you can travel to Europe and you can go to Asia and you can do your own, you know, get bookers and get, get into festivals and do shows, you can actually work at a level that the record company would say is unsustainable, right? You, you could actually make money, you know, yep. selling vinyl, your own vinyl and t-shirts to your yep. hardcore fans and your hardcore fan may be 50,000, hundred thousand. And they would say, well, that's not going to make you any money. But if you're Andy, you could make the money. Yeah. So, so then you get to stay in your career for however you want, long you want to, rather than kind of getting axed out. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can make a hundred thousand a year or something like that, or even 60,000 is good. I mean, especially you have multiple things going on kind of like me, like I do different things, but it's like, yeah, that you can still do those things with music. You can make sixty thousand a year, you know, something like that. Yeah, you can make enough to, to still operate and actually yeah. be able to not have somebody tell you, "Well, you're off the label," you know, because yeah. you didn't hit the number. Because the problem with the label sometimes is like you have a hit, right? Well, how are you ever gonna like replicate that hit? I mean, Prince never did another Purple Rain. He never hit that number again. He never hit. He hit close to it. But the idea you could hit eight million over yeah. and over doesn't work. Even the big guys don't do it. They, like, the Eagles never did it. Like nobody ever does that. And then they have these expectations, like, oh, your next single got to hit the same number that your other yeah. one. How is that? It doesn't happen. It's very rare that it happens. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah know, that's so, why I, I like being independent now. <laughs> I like it. You know, I'm. You know, I'm not making a whole bunch of money from it, but I still like. I still like that I can do what I want to do and have a good time, you know? So uh, are you feeling that you have to do singles all the time or do you like to put things together into EPs and albums? I always ask people because I'm a ch- like a child in the 70s again. I love listening to albums because I like to get the full picture. But I know we're kind of in an age where it's like not the album is not the big thing. The playlist is the big thing. So. I still, I still believe in the albums. This, I haven't done one in a while. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I think that it was a process. I had to get my own studio. It took me a long time. I really just got my own studio this year. You know, um, it just took me a while. And and then I was just, I was just doing singles. I only have one album. I'm like album, and I'm like, oh, I gotta do another. I gotta do another album or EP. And I'm, I'm plotting mm-hmm. on next year. I, mm-hmm. I got a single coming out the, by the end of this year, but next year I gotta do an EP or an album. Cause one of the things on my bucket list was to do like 
a good amount of albums before I leave this earth. You know, I, if mm -hmm. I can do 10, I will be happy. I don't know if I can That's do 10, cool. but I will push for 10 because I, I still have time right now. And now that I have my own studio, I'm learning how to be an engineer. I'm learning instruments. I'm learning. I'm like, okay, you know, I can do 10 albums before I leave this earth. And, you know, because that's on my bucket list. So I'm I'm yeah. working on that. And now, you, you know, so easy to find beats you can own because, you know, all the beats I buy, I have to own it because I have to submit, you know, I'm submitting them to movies and they want you mm -hmm. to own your your stuff. So, you know, a lot of the beats are either I do a deal with someone, but lately I've just been buying the beats that I like and then, you know, I go and do a song. So, but yeah, I think I still think there's something about the EP and the albums. It brings a sense of a story to me. It's like a journey and each album might be different depending on the artist, especially experimental artists like me. Like my first album, Limitless, is not going to be like my second album. It's going to be told. My second album is going to be totally different, totally different yeah. vibe. You know, that's what I love about well the idea of an album. You you could be a band that continually puts out the same kind of structure, but it's like more fun to me as an artist to do something like okay, I'm going to do new wave, right? Mm -hmm. But then I like I like punk, right? So oh yeah. Like, oh, so I like like bands like The Clash and The Ramones and Blondie and stuff like that. So I'm working on this idea for an album for next year called uh, Trash Wave, which is a combination of punk and new wave. So Ooh. it's taking a new wave vibe with a kind of Clash and Ramones punk attitude, like very loud, very raucous type of thing, but also have the new wave kind of feel. So it will sound like a Joy Division or a New Order or a Cure. So a combination of mixing those genres together and Ooh. having like a punk aesthetic with a new wave aesthetic at the same time. And so I like that. I might have to work with you one day because I want to do like a Neil soul meets punk. I'm kind of weird. I want to do like a, just, I want to, cause I was listening, I was watching this movie yesterday and I listened to the artist named Papa Roach and oh, Papa um, Roach, yeah. Yeah. he was, it was a song. The song was kind of depressing, but I <laughs> that it was playing, but it was good. It was like, Oh, okay. It felt so freeing the way he sung it. I was like, I could do a song like this and mix it with Neil Soul, and then it'll just be this this exotic style. So yeah, I definitely I like when artists do that. That's so exciting. I, you gotta let me hear it when you're done. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's kind of in the can because I got a new album coming out. Um, I'm kind of crazy. I put the albums a lot, but um, I, I got <laughs> an good. album coming out like uh, like on the 26th, and it's like an hour and a half long. It's not not normal. Ooh. But um, it took two years to do it, and then I, in the same time, I, I ended up doing another one, Trash Wave. But as like, well, I can't put Trash Wave out; it will compete with what I'm already did. So I'm pushing that out to 2023. But it's already done. But um, yeah, it's just kind of crazy because I got my studio in my room, so I just keep on writing. <laughs> I yeah. keep on writing all the time. But um, I would too. I'm probably gonna be right behind you in a minute. Now that I have like a good setup here, I'm gonna be right behind. Yeah, you. once you have it, like once you de you decide well, I'm gonna own it, so I don't gotta have to be stuck in the studio. Right? Then yeah, I built all this money. thing. Yeah, like built it like ten years ago, and I just keep on because I have it. I I use it. I didn't let it go to waste. I was like, okay, I'm gonna use it like all the time, and I just put, yeah. put you know tons of stuff together. But the cool thing, what I like to do is like. I build like all my own beats with like analog and digital hardware sense. Like everything I do, all my beats and stuff, I build from, from scratch. Um, oh, wow. So I'm, so I'm just cool. like, I don't, I mean, I work with other people in my, and I've had, had bands, but I'm kind of like, you know, like a, what do we call it, a control freak. And I've got <laughs> the, I've got the machines. I got the 808s. I got the 909s. I actually got the real drum machine so I can really make my own stuff. And so I just, it's like, why, why am I going to pay somebody when I know how yeah, to actually don't. do it? Yeah. So I just, I just do it. But um, I would too if I knew how to do it. <laughs> I would do it. Yeah. Well, it's just part of the synthesizer. I've been a synthesizer workstation type person, you know, using these old school hardware sense where you build the whole song. You can actually build everything. Yeah. That's and, amazing. and from that, from that, you know, it was before the dog came, you had like phantoms, like rolling phantoms and Korg Kronos, and you can actually build the whole song. And once you wow. have like a machine like that, like, well, why would you ever have to do anything? Because you can build everything. You can actually see it and, and do all the all the tracks and wow. multi-track other ones. But I just got really into production. Cause I used to be in bands and then people didn't show up. Oh, and yeah. Like, I heard about that about yeah, a lot like, of artists. Like, yeah. So I was like, I didn't want to stop. So I said, well, I'm a synthesizer player. So the cool thing about being a synthesizer player, well, I, can, I, I can learn drum machines. I can learn sequencers. I can learn how to play strings. I can do the bass lines. I can do the piano. 
Well, then baby wow. basically I could do everything. Right. Dang. So, so then just, I was going to do it all myself then. <laughs> yeah. Just do it yourself. Hey, you know, <laughs> that's how it be sometimes. You know, I used to always say I need a vocal arranger. Right. And I said, you know what? I couldn't really find one or one that was not trying to take my rights or trying to do whatever. So I just said, you know what? I just do it myself. Do it I find my own style. You know, it's just not, yeah. you know, <laughs> Well, that's what's cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I think what's cool is that once you get the confidence and then you realize you can get the ownership of the means of doing it. It's like the means of production. Like the DAW has, to me, the cool thing about it has it is kind of given anybody that can be in your bedroom and, you know, have a bedroom producer thing. I actually have a bedroom producer festival every year where I have a oh. podcast guest actually play live. And I've got, I had like 20 guests play live. I have two of them. I had one last year and one this year in February. And um, what I like to do is like to take all these bedroom producers and then have them do live shows. And it, it really shows that a lot of people have been able to, uh, you know, channel whatever they wanted to as their own vision. And I like to show people like how diverse that vision is. I had people from Iceland, you know, Australia, Berlin, Canada, UK, US. There's just so many different people doing things and so many different scenes because I'm like a worldwide looking for people. So I was, I talked to some band in South Africa and it's like, you know, anybody that does something cool, I don't really care what genre it is as long as it's cool. I <laughs> know yeah, that's right. I'm the same way. I don't, you know, I don't really care as long as it's cool. I'm down. I love, I just love all types of music, you know? I think that's the world of people. It's like, if you, like, well, if you're just thinking that like in your neighborhood, it's not going to kick, but that's not the way of the world is like, you, you, you get somebody in Australia that loves your song. And you didn't even know. Yeah, right? I had to learn that. I had to learn that. Cause I always felt like the out, oddball, you know, <laughs> in my tw like in my twenties. Cause I was like, Oh man, I'm such an oddball. No one around understands my style like that. But then you got somebody from Brazil jamming to you, and they tell you yeah. like you Turkey, and you're like, yeah, what Argentina. What the heck? And it's like okay. they got some fans in Argentina, and I'm like, wow, yeah. I got the people were speaking Portuguese to me, and I'm like, oh, wow. and I had to translate it, and they were all oh, were digging you, fan. I'm like, wow, I guess I should learn how to translate Portuguese because I didn't know they liked me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's so weird because I, I lived in Japan for two years. Oh, nice. And the, the only thing about the Japanese audience is like, it's hard to understand if they dig it because they won't be very evocative. They'll wait till you're done and then clap. So it, it was really hard sometimes if you're playing and you're waiting for the feedback that you normally get in a live show, you're like, they're, Wait, so, the, no, no, they're so quiet. It's like, I don't know if I'm going over. I don't know if I'm going over because they're not really reacting, but, but they're, they're just so polite that it's okay, fine. Once I figured out the way they were, it's okay. That's cool. I get it. But um, yeah, wow, that's different. so fun. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Like that's what I want to do: travel and stuff, and do open mics. That's why I'm renewing my passport so I can get ready. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the world. The world to me is like that's how you get the connections. You know, if you think about guys like Peter Gabriel, he had like this world music like on his album, so. He had all these like South African artists and he would go on tour and have like African artists on stage with him. He was mixing oh, genres man. and mixing, you know, you get the same thing with, um, I believe, uh, oh yeah, like Graceland, um, Paul Simon. He he had the South African um, artist with him on, on that. And I think it's cool when you integrate music at all levels, you know, mm -hmm. all different cultural experiences. It just gives you a lot more places you can go. Yeah, it does. I mean, I love the African, um, I love African music, the, the instruments they use, the swagger they have in it, and the just the yeah. way they approach the music is different. And I love it. I just love it. The dances they, they do with the music, I just love yeah, it. Yeah, it's just really cool to see <laughs> it, you know, because like, I think it's just cool to channel whatever you can. I'm part Cherokee, and I like to try to, try to bring kind of like that kind of mysticism, like uh, Native American mysticism into my music. Um, cause like Hendrick was Cherokee and he used to actually, you know, bring a bunch of mystical stuff into his music. That's why it kind of was the way it was and people didn't realize it, but I, I read a stuff, a lot of stuff about him and he was like, he had a song called Cherokee Mist and it kind of channeled this, this, this kind of feeling he got from his grandma. And, um, oh, wow. it was pretty cool. And, and, you know, not a lot of people, they get into that kind of stuff, but I think it's really cool to see, you know, somebody trying to channel 
like who they are or, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm into that because I'm a metaphysician. That's what my degree's in. So I'm all about mystical and spirituality and magic, you know, because I believe that music is a frequency. So, you know, um, you're singing on a certain frequency, you're going to attract people, certain people are going to be drawn to and not even know why, or, you know, they might be like, I don't know why I want to keep listening to the song, but it's just drawing me in, you know, it's a frequency. It's spiritual, you know, it's magic. Maybe you can go more into that because I've always, always been into this idea that there's like this kind of universal note um, that you can kind of tap into as an artist. There's like a universal kind of keys that you just, you, you, you kind of like, you can channel it because you can hear it as a musician. You're kind of in tune. And so other people maybe don't hear it until you pick up on it and then they can, they can understand it. And that's why you get like big audiences. Yeah. They'll get into it because you've actually hit that universal key, and they yeah. have an, it's a universal understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely that's how I feel because I just feel like um, there's this, this, there's just like I said, when you when you get this, um, I guess you say this uh, omen to do this song or this rap song or whatever, and you get it into your your whole vortex, it's almost like you're you're translating something from a higher power, and mm-hmm. You know, and and people they don't know what they feel, or they they might not know it, or some people do know it. You know, you got a lot of people are saying, "Hey, this music, this song make me feel depressed, or this song makes me feel mad." And it's because mm-hmm. that's because you're you're on that frequency. That's the frequency yeah, that yeah, artist was yeah. on. He was channeling, yeah. or she was channeling that frequency. You know, like if you listen to a rap song, and you know some of the rap songs, they're like, "I'm gonna kill him and shoot this and that." You you know, sometimes you're like, "I feel angry now." You know, if you if you don't know how to, you know. Because some people can listen to stuff and move in a room full of vultures. Like now I'm, you know, older now I'm like, oh, I can, I can listen to a song and not take it in. Get drawn into it. Yeah. Some people listen to music and they get drawn in and they get this anger and they get this feeling or, and it's like, it's because that person is on that frequency. And even if the artists don't know it, they still tapped into that frequency. And some artists do know they're tapping into that frequency. You guys come that do know what they're doing. So it's a, it's a real deep situation when it comes to music, you know, the music well, is you so you can deep. see it. Like, you know, if you get somebody that's into like the grunge and the punk and stuff and they, they get into the mosh pit, it's like, it yeah. is so, I mean, I went to Woodstock and Nine Inch Nails and Green Day were there, right? And those fans of those bands, like when they went on stage, they were hitting these frequencies that were very dynamic and they made the people kind of like live mini riot. You know, because yeah. that's kind of what it channels. It's like when you hear it, it is so kind of jarring and so kind of powerful. And mm-hmm. in this, in the, it's kind of this, this staccato attack. It's got this very hard attack that kind of triggers people to get aggressive. And you it can does. See it. You can see that's, it. I'm going to get life. hurt in there. Yeah, yeah well, I, I see them like, jumping around and bouncing around. And they get so <laughs> frenetic about it. I'm like, but it kind of does, does drive them that way. Yeah, it yeah. does. And I was like, that's why I, I certain, certain punk songs are okay. Like, but then some of them are like, uh-uh, I can't, I mean, I, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's too much going on here and I'm an empath so I can feel things easily. So, but I yeah, still yeah, can't, I know heavy. how to, I know how to block it out at the same time, but I ain't going to listen to all the music now. <laughs> but so, um, for, for, so you're planning for this year. What are your big plans? Do you have like uh, immediate new releases coming? Yeah, so I just, um, the producer just finished the beat, uh, Owl Music. Um, he just finished the beat. And it's like a, the beat is so different from what I've used before. It's like a jazzy slash neo soul beat. And it's mm-hmm. almost like a, like a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a, it's a, just a different type of swazzy beat, but you can dance to it. But it's mm-hmm. like a mix of jazz meets neo soul meets a little, little tad bit of techno. So I was like, this is cool. So um, I'm about to be working on that and I'm going to release it by the end of this year. I, I want to, I don't want to say a specific month, but I'm going to release it by the end of this, end of this year. Cause this That's is going to, cool. this is probably going to be a really, really good, great jazzy neo soul dance song. And, and I'm going to definitely push it. That's awesome. It's cool to have like um, that type of uh, focus, you know, when you're working on something new, I love it when I, I hear, artist you know in in the midst of of a, of a project that's that's always exciting yeah so, you know, we like to um on, on this program we, we have i had artists like come back multiple times to actually push their project like so when people 
typically on my show, like if a band is in the middle of something and then they, and then they actually get to the end, then the, like the second time they come on, they're actually there for the album release, you know? So we've had people come back and actually be you know, like a week before the album. And I kind of walk through or, or, or show the video. If it's a single kind of go into a big campaign mode and actually like, well, we're going to drop the single. We're going to go on tour. We're going to do this. And this is like, like a stop they make to 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 do that so wow you know. that's amazing yeah hey i'll come back on <laughs> yeah well, it's always cool to, to have you know artists we like to have artists of every genre we've we've been trying to get more and more um um you know artists there in different genres that we've had you know not as many soul artists as we've wanted to because i guess they didn't know who we are and we're kind of an electronic experimental artist and so sometimes people just think, oh, well, he's only going to talk about that. But we've had classical musicians. We've had bands from Nashville. We've had, you know, we hit every genre. Yeah. So I was trying to let everybody know, like, just because I didn't talk about Neo Soul for the last two episodes doesn't mean I wouldn't. Um, yeah. You know, doesn't mean I would, wouldn't talk to hip-hop artists. And, you know, we're, we're starting to get more varied people because they're starting to realize, I'm, you know, I was kind of getting pigeonholed. But now I think oh, people no. really yeah i'm like i'm super open-minded so even if you was a, a you know just all you knew was punk rock i'll still be on here talking you know because i just think that music is is music even if it's not my favorite genre i still mm. i still respect the music of every artist so well that's that's awesome to to, to, to have have a, uh, such a dedicated artist as yourself because you you're dedicated to your vision and we love to have people tell their story so the other people who are in this kind of, they're in this place, they're thinking like, well, do I have to go with a, a producer? Do I have to, you know, the fact that you can, you can speak to wanting to do it your way. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really positive. I think that gives people like people to look up to. So Thank you. And I hope I inspire someone to, to go after and, and be a new voice into music and keep going after your dreams and don't let nobody stop you. Stay confident in yourself because you need confidence. That's the main thing before anything is confidence. Oh, yeah. The other thing I always ask, like, if have, have you done a lot of live shows because of COVID? I, I always forget to ask because um, people like you haven't done it but, um, lately. I did in the past. Like, I used to sing for Carnival Cruise Lines and in my early 20s. And then I didn't like singing cover songs, so I got all pinned up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I did a few shows in Atlanta. Like, I did, um, I used to sing at this open mic place called Urban Grind. And, mm -hmm. um, and then he just like little cafe shop. I would sing my own music. I would do poetry because I'm also a poet. So oh, awesome. I used to do poetry and mix it up with some music. And it was fun. Um, I haven't performed lately in the last few years, actually. Um, I just been submitting my songs for movies and TV shows. And that's only been four years. So I do want to start performing again. So if anybody's interested, I do want to start performing my own music again. <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm yeah. open to that. Because I do get people to ask me to sing cover songs or something like yeah, on yeah. a site that I was on at one point. But now I said, you know what? I really want to stick to my guns and just do my own music. So that's what I'm trying to do now. And Yeah, well, if we do our Peg Bedroom Producer Festival again this year, um, yeah, you know, it's basically we just do a live online thing. Um, and people kind of run unplugged from wherever they are, or they, they actually get a soundstage and do it wherever they do. Um, but yeah, we 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 had a band from Australia actually went to a soundstage and actually performed from there. Um, wow. Then we had other people actually really do a bedroom producer thing where they had acoustic guitars, or they just uh, did unplugged, or they used their DAW and uh, muted and unmuted tracks and sang live to it, or actually played live wherever they were in their garage or basement. And it was kind of cool because we got people to you know do different things and we had also people would submit video like if they couldn't get the live thing to work they actually put video together and we did those too so they did oh that's so fun video. yeah it's pretty cool and we're, we're hoping to do another one this year we did one in february we did one the year before we go like three days we do friday saturday sunday and we run like all day um wow so that's from all over the world so we run at seven in the morning we get bands from like europe and asia and you know, running at night, we get people from the Pacific, you know, from uh, you know, Western United States and stuff like that. But wow, that's fun! Hopefully, I'll know how to play my ukulele by then. Well, that'd be cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, if you, you have something I cool. <laughs> well, I'm trying yeah. to learn. <laughs> well, that's awesome because we, we like do. That's the cool thing. If you do unplugged, then you can have somebody on the acoustic guitar or a mandolin or ukulele. 
it, it is really, I think it's really cool to see an artist do that because I think it, yeah. it's something that you can't, you won't get in other settings. And since we, I've always pr kind of pushed that when you do, when I do that festival, if you can do something that intimate, uh, that's really heartfelt, it actually goes over really well. So that's why I try to tell people like, maybe you go with that instead of using your DAW. You know, <laughs> yeah, that'd be more fun, honestly. If I do live, I, I'd rather do my ukulele. I'm trying to learn it, so hopefully, mm -hmm. I can learn it soon. <laughs> that'd okay, be cool yeah. to just record a song full ukulele. Well, open the invitation once I get this thing set up. Well, we could talk. Um, thank so you. yeah, thank you very much for being on, a, on the program. Everybody, go look at the, the, the Sequoia Blue uh website. Yeah. We're going to be on Spotify later tonight. Um, as a video podcast, we're going to be, we're already on Twitch and YouTube and Facebook. Please make sure you hit the hyperlinks and, uh, support the artists that we talk to and make sure you subscribe. If they're on any place that you can subscribe, download playlist, uh, that's how people will get, uh, noticed in this business. So please, uh, support the artists that we bring on this program. Thank you very much for being on the program. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks everybody.